This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. Local productions seen on Delta College Public Media are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. everyone. Welcome to Junior Doan's The Spark. I'm Junior Doan. I'm happy you could join me today with my guest, Justin Marshall, Vice President of Advancement and Business Development at Northwood University. Welcome, Justin. So what responsibilities accrue to you or your position at Northwood, which seems to be quite big? Yeah, my, my role has definitely uh, got a lot of different aspects to it here at Northwood University. I've been at Northwood University for 12 years now, and uh, my role has now expanded to our Vice President of Advancement and Business Development. So advancement is everything from Northwood University's fundraising, alumni relations, and some of our um, external community affairs. And the business development aspect really focuses on any sort of revenue generating activities on campus that aren't related to admissions. So you might think about our hotel on campus, or you might think about our bookstore on campus. In addition, I also am working with the esports team and head coach Elson and Dean Andy Kripe on our student affairs team to drive our esports program into the future and make sure that it remains one of the top competitive esports programs in the nation. Well, let's just go over some of these responsibilities and you tell me what talents of your own are needed for it. It's something like alumni relations. Absolutely. I think one of my greatest qualifications is the fact that I've graduated from Northwood University myself and just had a phenomenal experience at the university, learning from my professors, uh, learning from the administrators at the time. And when you have that type of unique, just in the weeds, uh, grassroots type knowledge of the institution that you're working for, that's a skill set that you simply can't find in a lot of other people. So I'm able to talk about Northwood and what it meant to be a student and what the learning at Northwood University especially in regards to the Northwood idea meant to the development of my life. And that certainly helps in the translation to our alumni and to our donors. Uh, you have to be able to communicate, you have to be able to forge relationships, critical problem solving skills, um, and making sure that you know, you're just 
presenting Northwood University in the best light as often as, as best as possible to as many people as possible. What is the range of interest of the alumni as you talk to them? Wow, that's a that's a big question, Junia. The the range of I interest... like big questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like big questions too. We we could talk this whole half hour about big questions, and I'd have a lot of fun with that. But our alumni have a lot of different interests. Um, you know that our heritage uh, since 1959, when we started in Alma and then moved to Midland, Michigan. Uh, we started in specialty business programs, and one of those specialty business programs is automotive. And so we've been very uh, strongly partnered with the automotive industry since the very beginning. On the retail side, the automotive retail side, which most people would think of as the automotive dealerships, uh, the OEM side, the manufacturers, um, Ford, GM, um, the big uh, manufacturers, Toyota, Honda, and then also on the aftermarket side. So, you know, the, the parts and the aftermarket industry in helping keeping cars on the road. That's a, a huge industry that we're a part of as well. So you've got a lot of alumni who are very interested in the automotive industry, but a lot of people don't realize just how robust we are beyond the automotive industry. So we've got more than 30% of our graduates, no other college or university that I know of can share this statement, more than 30% of our graduates own part or all of their own business. So we graduate entrepreneurs more than maybe any other university. And they are small business owners right here in Midland, Michigan. You've got Creation Coffee as a great example, both owned by, uh, owned by Northwood alumni. And you've got uh, Eastman Party Store right here in Midland, owned by a Northwood alumnus. And you've got small businesses throughout the state and throughout the nation that are owned by Northwood alumni. So our alumni are just passionate about entrepreneurship and the free enterprise system. And probably the one thing that unites all of them in all of our surveys that come to us is the Northwood idea, a belief in the free enterprise system, a belief in individual freedom, that uh, we all come with our own unique, creative, distinctive abilities and we should be free to utilize those abilities in the service to others and the service to our communities. Has the courses you've taught under the entrepreneurship um, label, so to speak, have to change because of increasing regulation? Maybe you could offer a little bit more as to what you mean by that question. Um, we haven't really had to change anything related to the naming of our entrepreneurship programs. Um, because of regulation, but I don't know if I'm fully understanding the question and I certainly want to answer it. Well, uh, what I've just noticed in my life, and, and that is my field, that I'm bumping into <laughs> more impediments and more provisions <laughs> needed and this and that, and I can't help but believe that that's, you know, percolating through and therefore some part of some course or even an individual course could identify how you deal with these things, what's important, what's the timeline, just, but if there's no course for it, that just means it's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> so no, no. <laughs> that is a great explanation of the question, so thank you. Uh, absolutely, we are talking to our students about some of the impediments and the obstacles that they might face as entrepreneurs. 
In fact, we're doing that in our entrepreneurship courses. We're doing that in our general business management courses. Uh, it's getting talked about in our law courses as well. And we're even talking about it at the Idea Center, which is right in downtown Midland. And that the responsibility of that center is to really empower our students to start their own businesses. So we're helping them work through some of the um, challenges that come with wanting to start your own business, copyrights, patents, uh, filing for a business, um, talking about with actual entrepreneurs, the questions of what did they face when they were um, in business or while they're operating businesses today to prepare our students for those types of obstacles. And so that when they leave Northwood University's halls and our academic centers, they're a little bit more well prepared to get that business off of the ground. So, you know, we're doing that in our coursework. We're doing that through experts and residents. We're doing that through actual experiential learning through the Idea Center. So it's happening in, in many different ways on Northwood's campus. I think that's realistic. <laughs> got to live in your times. <laughs> right. You know, no, sometimes you got to get out from behind the book and you got to talk to real people who are actually doing the work. Um, the yeah. book learning is important. The theory is important. But if you don't talk to someone who's actually, you know, shed the blood and the tears of actually starting their own business, um, you're missing out on a whole important aspect of, of how to get your business afloat. One of the things that always occurred to me is if you were a young person or any person who wanted to start a business, it may not dawn on you may think money, sales, or you know, whatever, whatever, but you might not think about whose permission do I have to get in order to do anything. And I'm sure the courses cover some of that, which makes them a great advantage um, for the participant. But um, so anyway, so we have the automobile, we have entrepreneurship. Are there other areas that, that, that Northwood specializes in? There are other areas that Northwood uh, specializes in. And one of the most recent ones that uh, potentially is of interest to you is our eSports management program. We launched that in the fall of 2020. So it's a relatively new program for Northwood University but it was the first program of its kind in the state of Michigan. So we were very early um, in identifying a market just as we were early in identifying a market in the automotive and aftermarket and automotive related fields. For this growing uh, billion dollar industry that a lot of people really aren't aware of. And along with our esports management program is also Northwood University's uh, Esports professional um, competitive varsity team. So, would you take us from the beginning? What is esports? Absolutely. I, I think the the simplest way I can explain esports is it's competitive gaming at a a semi professional or professional level. So, you have uh, professional organizations similar to what you would find in the NBA or the NFL. Um, You've got teams that have professional players who are competing in tournaments and live um, competitive events against other teams. And that's the highest level of esports. At the semi professional level and the amateur. Let me just ask one question Is it yeah. around an individual game? 
Yeah, so esports is the way I kind of think about it is esports is the umbrella for what you would consider to be traditional sports. So traditional sports is made up of basketball, football, baseball, soccer, uh, softball. The list goes on and on. In esports, the list is an individual game. So a game that people might uh, recognize is Call of Duty. Um, there is Overwatch. So students compete in games and professionals compete in games under the banner of esports. So anyway, you were saying the professional and the semi-professional. That's right. So the professional uh, is at the highest level and you will get some professional level players who are college aged students and are pursuing their college degree. So they are competing on uh, collegiate teams at the esports level. But you're typically going to find semi-professional or amateur players who are uh, extremely adept and advanced at playing a particular game. Sometimes they're very advanced at playing um, multiple games. But there's also areas uh, in the collegiate esports and even at Northwood University for people to get involved beyond the games. So they can get involved in coaching. They can get involved in shout casting. And shout casting What's is- What's that? Yes. What is it? Shoutcasting shout is broadcasting. Um, so when you think of the talking heads that are at a professional uh, football game, uh, the shoutcasters are those same talking heads who are doing the play-by-play -play calls for an Overwatch game or for a League of Legends match. Oh. So it, it's very similar, and they bring this similar enthusiasm and excitement. But for the lay person that might be watching the game, who might not be as uh, educated about what's going on, that shoutcaster is really an important aspect of getting them involved in the game and building that excitement. So we have opportunities and right teaching. here. Yeah, and teaching, yeah. absolutely. So we have students right here at Northwood University who are part of our shoutcasting program, who are receiving scholarships just like our um, competitive team members are receiving scholarships to be uh, playing on Northwood University's esports team. If you major in, in shoutcasting, a new word for me and concept, how would you go about getting a job in that field or in that game? So our shoutcasters are actually choosing from the many academic majors that we offer at Northwood University. So our shoutcasters might be going into finance, they might be going into operations and supply chain management. They're simply choosing as part of their experiential learning opportunity to be shoutcasters at Northwood. So they, we also, they might be going into our esports management program. So they've got a whole career opportunity ahead of them, depending on the major that they choose. But if they're going into the esports uh, world, for an example, some of them might become esports event planners. Um, they might be doing production. Um, so they might be helping to produce major events and tournaments uh, for major enterprises who have invested in esports at the professional level. Um, they might be in business development. They might be in uh, sponsorships and trying to get new sponsorships and forging new partnerships with, with major enterprises. There's, there's a lot of career opportunities in esports, just like there are a lot of career opportunities in sports management. 
What is an event? Um, what do you teach in event development or putting on an event? So a very good example is Northwood actually has its own uh, esports tournament. It was run for the first time last year uh, in the pandemic. And that's a whole interesting topic too, esports and the pandemic. Uh, but we launched our Great Lakes Invitational and we had our students actually running that tournament. So they were responsible for all aspects of the tournament, um, securing sponsorships, uh, securing the um, teams and who's going to be competing in the tournament. When is the tournament going to be run? How is it going to be run? Is it going to be run completely online? Is it going to be hybrid of an online and in-person type program? All of the technical needs in the background of making sure that you have uh, the appropriate uh, technology supporting the tournament. So oh, important. all of that is very important, right? Um, and then, you know, just obviously the communication involved with building an audience, uh, the communication involved with uh, the teams that are competing or the different professional uh, faces um, and athletes that are competing in the tournaments. Um, there are the PR sides of it. Uh, so releasing press releases and getting into the news. Uh, so there's, there's a lot that they're learning at Northwood University just around um, tournament operations. And then they're also learning about, you know, the industry as a whole. And why is this industry an exciting industry to be joining and to be considering as a, as a young student? What are the economics of it? If you're a sponsor, does it goes towards prize money? If you, if you have to pay to enter, that covers expenses. Just give us an overview financially of how a tournament might work. So a lot of revenue in esports is driven by um, sponsorships and advertising. So uh, again, similar to your traditional sports, there's a lot of mirrors there between traditional sports and esports. A good example is um, in Detroit, they had a League of Legends tournament at Little Caesars Arena just prior to the pandemic. And they sold out all of Little Caesars Arena, including tickets being uh, sold um, from resellers or individuals who were, you know, not able to attend at a premium because it was selling out so quickly and there was such a great interest. And that's not just happening here in Detroit and the state of Michigan, that's happening worldwide. Esports is selling out major arenas throughout the world. And they are competing with you know, some of the major traditional sports events um, from a ticket sales and revenue standpoint. So it, it's, it's really, really impressive. Um, during the pandemic, obviously there were a lot of restrictions as to who could gather right. and how you could gather. And there were some great benefits to esports as a whole, and there were some distractions um, to esports. So the benefits is, viewership grew. People weren't able to leave their homes at the beginning of the pandemic when everything was being shut down in March of 2020, uh, right around that time. Uh, Twitch was seeing uh, increased viewership and Twitch is basically one of the major platforms for people to view esports. So similar to if you're tuning in to NBC or ABC uh, to watch a professional traditional uh, sport, a lot of people are tuning in to Twitch to watch esports. Uh, 
and they saw a immediate spike of about 10% in March of 2020. Um, and that continued throughout the pandemic. Uh, online engagement, online viewership continued to grow. What they lost out on was those big in-person events that drew a lot of sponsorship dollars and a lot of advertising dollars. And that stalled out um, the growth of those revenues a little bit throughout the pandemic. However, esports is here to stay. It's not going anywhere, Junia. Um, it, is, it is continuing to grow as we come out of this pandemic and it will continue to grow. And there are you know, a lot of uh, estimates from a lot of really uh, reputable firms that, like Deloitte that show that esports is here to stay. What, what I still want to get a clarity in my mind. Just talk to me about how the revenue stream works for the players or for whoever benefits after cost. Yeah, so from, at Northwood University, I'll speak to us locally as I, as I understand that one better. Um, and then I could speak a little bit more generally to the larger tournaments, but I, I haven't run you know, the professional uh, esports tournaments myself. But our Great Lakes Invitational, you know, the main revenue source was advertising and was sponsorship. So that was covering the majority of our cost associated with running the event. And again, that were the, the technical costs of running the event, paying shoutcasters to shoutcast our event and provide the play-by-play -play analysis. Um, it's providing the prize pool that's being offered at the Great Lakes Invitational to the winning teams. And then there are um, fees associated with each of the competing teams to join these tournaments, typically. So, you know, the fees are usually a much smaller aspect uh, of the revenue uh, that we are deriving to cover the costs of the event. But those are going to be your three major areas of um, revenue for, for a tournament. And I don't think that's going to change either for a professional uh, sporting tournament or event as well. When you go in person to an event, are you watching all members or many members of a team compete in the game with many members of the opposing team or is it one-on-one? -on -one? People, when they go to these events, it depends on the game that they're playing. So um, Rocket League, which is probably one of the more popular collegiate um, programs, and the program that we are arguably most successful at, we are back-to-back -back national champions in Rocket League, and we are considered by many uh, one of the top three, if not the top esports, collegiate esports programs in the nation. Uh, so Rocket Congratulations. League- Well, thank you. Yeah, we're very, we're very proud of that. But Rocket League is three versus three. And basically, if, if I'm going to explain Rocket League to someone, it's, it's, competitive soccer played with cars, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> um, yes. So a lot of crashes. A, a lot of crashes. And, and you could go onto YouTube and you could type in Rocket League and anyone could learn a little bit more about it if they're interested. They could come to Northwood University's uh, esports competitions and they could watch Northwood compete. In fact, Northwood competed on ESPN2 uh, Twitch and ESPN University at their Maui Invitational. And we attracted more than 1 million viewers um, throughout uh, that competition. So a lot of people were tuning in to watch Northwood play. 
Um, I got a lot of calls from our alumni and a lot of emails from our alumni, including one alumnus. I won't share his name, but he sent me an email and he said, you won't believe it, Justin. I'm watching Northwood University play Rocket League on ESPN in the waiting room of a hospital. And he, he and his entire family were cheering us on and they thought it was just great to see Northwood uh, playing at that level. Um, so Rocket League 3v3, Overwatch, which is a, uh, another competitive game is five versus five. So it really just depends on, on the game that the students and the professionals are playing. So in those settings, Boy. there will be one, one team of three play another team of three or one team of five play another team of five. Are, do people pick their games based on their interest in the sports in reality, like soccer or football or something like that? You know, I think um, a lot of them are picking the sport based on just really where have they developed a competitive edge. Um, they might have been they might have been introduced to the gaming world more casually, and then potentially they might have picked up Overwatch or Rocket League out of interest, and then they became quite adept and quite skilled at the game. So then they continue to play it and they continue to develop it. And as they grow and as they learn about scholarships available at the collegiate level, um, and that they can really turn this into not only a pathway to college, but also a pathway to a career, they start focusing on it a little bit more. Um, but I'm sure as many individuals play um, video games, you know, it's, it's, it's a very wide group of individuals who play video games. And it's, it's male and female who are playing games uh, today. It's grown considerably. I was reading an article recently from 2006 to 2021. The number of female game, gamers has grown considerably, uh, casual gamers. And that will certainly uh, translate to more women um, getting into professional esports and more women joining collegiate esports teams, which is a great thing. Do you age out? <laughs> you do. You do, um, and typically you age out at a younger age in esports than even you might age out in professional sporting. Um, so, a lot of the professional gamers are going to be in their late teens uh, throughout their early twenties. Um, you are still capable of being a very strong professional gamer as, as you age, but you lose some of the natural advantages that come with youth. Um, the, okay, the I have to stop you. Um, I'm so sorry, <laughs> Justin. We're really out of time in this fascinating conversation. Anyway, I'd like to say something about Justin. He is perfect for his job because it attracts his attention in a wide variety of um, uh, brain activity and also personal relationships. So this kind of job is uh, multidisciplinary as it were and requires a lot of inner, inner what I'm gonna say, confidence and the ability to do in the world of this new entrepreneurship and maintain in other areas. So words continue, love learning about esports at Northwood and enjoyed uh, being with you and remember go out and do something kind for someone you know someone you don't know every day going forward we all need it thank you for tuning in to contact junia send her an email at juniadonesthespark at gmail.com
For more information, program schedules, and news about future guests, go to www.juniadonethespark.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Junia Dones The Spark. Local productions seen on Delta College Public Media are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.